Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. Remember, we are here to know God and to make Him known. And we're doing that in this season by going through the the book of Colossians, the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, which was just a small church in uh, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And uh, it, it was a, a place that, that had some, some pop culture to it, had some false religions, had some false teachers. And it was a church that, that had never met the Apostle Paul, who, who was started by another man. Uh, and, and so we, we get to this place where Paul's writing them a letter because they've got a few issues. But he starts with encouraging them. And that's where we were last week. If we go back and you open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, or you open up your Bible app and you were to look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, we see that the Apostle Paul just just celebrates that God is at work in this church in Colossae, this church that he didn't start, that he'd never been to, but he'd heard stories about and good stories. And so he rejoices that God is at work there, that the gospel is growing and bearing fruit in them, and that they have faith in Christ Jesus and love for all the other believers, and they're holding fast to the hope of the gospel that is their salvation. And so Paul moves from celebrating and rejoicing in what God is doing in their midst, something we as Christians should practice on a regular basis regarding our own local churches. He moves from celebrating to then praying for them. So if you join with me in looking at chapter 1 of the the letter of Paul to the church in Colossae, the book of Colossians, verses 9 through 14. I'm just going to read them all, so follow along. And then then we'll go back and kind of uh, pull them apart bit by bit, and try and understand what Paul is praying for this church. So here's what Paul says, starting in verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." So Paul uh, is praying here. The Holy Spirit has inspired this prayer, breathed this prayer, which is why we believe it to be Scripture. And so as we look at it big picture, we see that this is Paul's prayer for the Colossian church. He's saying, God is at work in you, but I pray for even more. I pray for there to be uh, even more of his presence and power in you. And, And we see that in these verses there are only two requests. And we'll pull those apart so you can see. In the original language, there are two components of this full prayer that are the major requests. And then under those requests, there are multiple components to those two individual requests. 
Now, you might be interested to know, or you might not, but this is a freebie. Verses 9 through 20 are one sentence in the Greek. So if you open your Bible up and you look at verse 9, and then, like for me, I have to turn the page to get all the way to 20. There's like four paragraphs worth of stuff here, and it's all one sentence in the original language. Now, why is that significant? Well, it tells us that all of this is linked together in thought. That Paul is moving very quickly from this prayer for the church, and next week we'll talk about verses 15 through 20, in which he moves into a prayer or a hymn of praise and glory toward the king he just told them about. And so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to next week, but this week's good too. But next week, some really good stuff regarding who Jesus is as our king. So let's, let's begin to dig into these verses a little bit more, bit by bit, and see these requests and what's going on here. So chapter 1, verse 9, Paul writes this, For this reason also, what is the reason that he is praying? Well, it's because he looks back and he says, God's at work in you. And Epaphras, he has nothing but good things to say about you. The man who started your church has nothing but good things to say about you when he comes to visit us. And so because of this, because of what he shared with us, we're so excited. And since the day we've heard about this, we haven't stopped praying for you. So, so he says that, that since we heard from Epaphras what God is doing in your midst every day since he came and told us about what's going on, we are so excited and we haven't stopped praying for you. And what is it that the, the prayer has for them? What is it that Paul is praying for them? What is it that the we, Paul and Timothy, together are praying? And all the believers in Rome where Paul is, what are they praying We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So being that the the prayer is is one that kind of doesn't make sense to us as modern Christians, because as modern Christians, we tend to think of somebody praying for us as addressing issues like, well, you know, my knee's been really sore this week. And so could you just pray for my knee that it won't be sore anymore? That that's, that's what people should pray for, you know. Well, well, you know, Aunt Gertrude, she has the gout. And, and could you pray for Aunt Gertrude with the gout, uh, you know, that, that her gout would go away? And not, not that we shouldn't pray for those things, but we have been so bogged down with a concept of prayer that really makes it about physical issues or concerns, about financial issues or concerns, you know, jobs and other things. And and not to say those things are not important, but sometimes we get so bogged down in prayer that when we talk about it, that's all we think about. Let's pray for one another. So that means uh, I got to I got to pray for somebody's toenail, right? I got I got to pray for well, you know, what if it's ingrown? Chelsea, don't make a face at me. Um, I, I, I got I to gotta pray for somebody's back. I got to pray for somebody's car. I got to pray for somebody's job. Can't, and, and so we get kind of focused in that prayer is always these immediate physical needs. But we have to understand that when Paul prays, when, when the Holy Spirit inspires the Apostle Paul to pray this prayer, he isn't praying for them to have all the food they need. He doesn't pray for them to have better jobs. He doesn't pray for them to be happy. He says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. 
Now, what is this knowledge of his will? Well, it's a, a basic understanding of what God wants for you in this life. Now, where do we find the knowledge of the will of God today in our church? Where do we find the knowledge of the will of God? Anybody? Scripture, God's word. Look, you, you want to know what God's will is for your life? Do you know where to start? Right here. These pages, not just this Bible, but, you know, the one you have in your hand, too, that copy. We're asking, we're praying for you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. And too often we sit back and just go, well, God, just reveal your will. Tell me what to do. Make things better. And, and we need to understand that the knowledge of the will of God begins for believers between the covers of Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, God has revealed everything that we need for life and godliness. And it's important that if we want to know the will of God, that we begin to read the word of God. That we treasure up the word of God in our hearts so that we might not sin against him. That we pursue the knowledge of his will by reading his word. But also that we, we ask him, help me to see clearly as I read your scripture, not to read what I want, not to hear my voice echoing off the pages, but to genuinely hear from you. And Paul says, I want this church for you so badly that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Church, I want this for you so badly that you would be filled up, completed with the knowledge of his will for your life. And I don't mean that you know where you're going to go to college or who you're going to marry or where you're going to move to or what job you should take, but what it means for you to genuinely follow after Jesus, your Savior. I want you to be full up with that knowledge. Paul wants us and the church in Colossae to be full up with the, the knowledge of his will. And it's so important for us to, to realize that Knowing God, knowing his ways, knowing his desires for us is a critical component of our Christian life. For most of us, we would count probably, you know, I, I need great worship. I need to say my prayer so I don't choke on dinner. Uh, you know, I, I need to be nice to people. I literally dated a girl who, if you ate before you prayed, she thought you might die. So, no, no, stop. We've got to pray. That was an aside. Anyway, um, that, and it wasn't Shelly, just so you know. Shelly's, it wasn't Shelly. Um, she was never that flaky. Uh, so, I'm a little flaky too. Uh, but, but anyway, where was I going? It's, it's not this laundry list of things that, that, uh, that we're supposed to be doing, but really it is to grow in, in knowing him, in relationship with him. So anyway, it, it, Paul says to the church in Colossae, I want you to, to be filled with the knowledge of his will. And, and then the secondary component to the prayer, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. A, another translator put it this way, with all the wisdom and understanding the spirit gives. In other words, that we are completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit within us to help us understand Scripture, to help us apply Scripture. But if we're listening to our own voice or the voice of other people, oftentimes Scripture will be misused in, in our lives. It will be misapplied. We think we know the will of God when really we know a, a false will or a, a, a lie that someone has passed off as his will. So Paul says to this church, and he prays for us as well, may you be filled with knowledge and understanding and wisdom. 
All of it coming from the Spirit. All of it coming from your desire to seek after God. Now, why is this critical? He's fighting some, some lies in the church of Colossae. Some, some lies that said that you had to know secret passwords and secret truths about God in order to grow in spiritual life. And Paul is saying to this church, listen, it's not seven keys to this. and It's not five, uh, five truths to that. It's not some 12 steps to get better. It is a dependence upon the Holy Spirit and a trusting in what he has revealed to us as the will of God through both his word and him within us. And so Paul says, I I want you to be just filled up with the knowledge of God. And then this is the second part of his prayer. So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. I want you to be filled up with the knowledge of his will. And I want you to walk in a way that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Now, we we might think, well, what does it mean to walk uh, in a way that is worthy of the Lord. And and I think it's always important that we understand a couple of things about the idea of worth. Uh, First of all, when we talk about worth and value, it actually shares a root word with uh, worship. That when you walk in a way worthy of the Lord, you are participating in worship. Because both words come back to a a root that is to, to give what is is valuable uh it's due and and so what has what has christ paid for you what is what is your lord worthy of what what is your salvation what's its value to you what price was paid for you paul paul is saying i want you to live in a in a way that honors what christ has done for you and by your living reach a point where you are fully pleasing to him and then the, the rest of these are details about what that means. So he's really talked about two specific things that he's praying for for this church. That they would have the wisdom of God's will. They would have a right belief in God and his ways. And that they would also have a practice of right living. That they would walk in a manner. They would live in a manner worthy of their king and lord. And so right belief and right living, these are the two big requests that Paul has for this church. They would would believe rightly and they would live rightly. And right belief should always result in right living. Understand that you can believe all the right things, but if there's no fruit in your life, then there is no guarantee that, that you are walking with Christ. Right belief, knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, should always result in right living. Walking in a way that's worthy of your Lord and Savior. It should always result in that. Scripture tells us over and over again that right belief should always result in right living. And right living, genuinely right living, a lifestyle that is honoring to God and pleasing to Him, can only proceed from right belief. Because if you are doing a nice thing every once in a while, well, that's not right living. That's just doing a good work here and there. But a lifestyle that is genuinely pleasing from God begins with understanding his will for your life. Begins with understanding his word. Begins with understanding the gospel. Genuinely understanding it. Not that Jesus came to die on a cross because he loves everybody and wants us to be good people. 
but rather to understand that each and every one of us, by our own choices, have rebelled against God, have earned his wrath and and eternal death. Each and every one of us stand before God condemned because of our rebellion and, and sin against him. But he loved us so much that he didn't leave us in a state of rebellion. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. He was fully God and fully man. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He died on the cross as the sacrifice for your sins. He died in your place, took the punishment that you deserve, absorbed the wrath of God, paid the price of death that was yours to pay because of your sin and rebellion. And then he was buried, rose again on the third day, and declared that everyone who believes on him as Lord and Savior can be saved from the consequences of their sin, can be made pure before God. And you must believe that to genuinely live a life that's pleasing to God. You've got to understand your need for salvation. You've got to understand the price that was paid for you. You must receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, which means that you recognize He will save you from sin and you make Him king over your life and say, I will follow after you. And, and only right belief can result in genuine right living. And so it's important that we understand we must go back to the scriptures. We must give in to the way of the spirit and allow him to speak to us from his holy word. We must genuinely believe the gospel as it's clearly presented and not rewrite it in our own desires or image in order to live a life that is pleasing to God. So then the question becomes, Paul is praying for this church to live rightly. What does right living look like? What does right living look like in this day and age and in this church here? So here's what Paul prays for them. Uh, So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. That's the first thing he prays for them. That right living will result in bearing fruit in every good work. Now, fruit in scripture is always... That out of your life flows the kinds of things that we would expect for a believer. That there will be a change in both character and output. And so Paul says to this church, what will it like for you to walk walk worthy of the Lord? You'll bear fruit in every good work. And second thing, growing in the knowledge of God. That to live rightly is to continue to pursue knowing Jesus Christ. To continue on your journey, to grow intellectually. The word here is, is one that, that has this big picture of knowing him intellectually, knowing him experientially, knowing him intimately. And so that you will continue to pursue both knowledge in the sense of a book, but also experience in the sense of community and service and giving of yourself in order to know God better. So bearing fruit, growing in knowledge. The next, what does right living look like? Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great patience, excuse me, great endurance and patience. So the, the, the next thing he says is, it, when you're walking rightly, you will be strong in order to suffer. You will be strong in order to walk and live a life of endurance 
and patience. And how strong will you be? Well, you will be dependent upon the strength of God filling you up. All power according to His glorious might. Now, we look and go, okay, so what does that mean? What is the power of God? Well, what did it do, what did it do for Jesus? Well, Scripture tells us the, the, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to us. Ephesians chapters 2 and 3. Now, now if, if the power that raised up Jesus from the dead can fill us and equip us to endure and be patient, that's a lot of power, isn't it? Scripture is going to tell us later here in Colossians, it's going to tell us about the power of Jesus at work in our creation today and in the world today. It's going to tell us how it's, it was all made by him and it, it's all for him and how it all exists even now because of him. He is actively at work holding creation together. This same power that makes life possible is the power that's available to you as a believer to become one who is strong so that you might endure and be patient. And then finally, the last thing it looks like to live rightly is to joyfully give thanks to the Father. To joyfully. Now, what is joy? Joy is the ability to find the positive in circumstances that are maybe not so positive. Is the ability to see the hand of God at work in your life, even when things aren't the way you would like them to be. Joy is the ability to sit back and, and just say, it's not great, but it's all God. And I'm so thankful. And so... That is what it means to, to joyfully give thanks. So here we have this picture of right living, bearing fruit. Now, he's already told us that the gospel is bearing fruit in the, the church there at Colossae. And that the fruit that they already had based on the gospel was faith and love. Bearing fruit. Galatians five twenty two and 23. Some of us are familiar with that. Paul tells us, and, and the Galatian church, that the fruit of the Spirit, or the fruit that we should see in our life when the Holy Spirit is within us and doing work within us, those, those, the, that, that fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And uh, some of you, you could sing along or you recite along, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what should be coming out of our life when we're living rightly. And, and this happens as we do good works to grow in understanding and experience of God, to be strengthened by God's power, to have endurance and patience. I want to go back to that real quick because it's interesting. He doesn't say be strengthened by God's power so that you might be victorious in every part of life, does he? He doesn't say be strengthened in God's power so that you might go out and crack heads. And take names and you will be kings and queens and you will be rich and you will be blessed and you'll never be hungry and you'll, you'll be, you know, everything's going to be perfect because you walk with Christ. He doesn't say that. He says, I want you to know that right living is to pursue the power of God in your life so that you might have endurance and patience. Those are two words for very similar concepts, but they're distinct. Endurance is the ability to suffer through circumstances. <laughs> Doesn't that sound fun? And then patience is long-suffering or the ability to deal with others over an extended period of time who are not so nice, who are oppressing you. So, 
Paul prays for this church and says to us and them both, right living is to tap into the power of God so that you can make it through the struggles of this life. And then finally, to joyfully give thanks to the Father. Now, if I were going to summarize this, uh, you might see that this, this, you know, this is a kind of a joke. On the bottom there, right, we've got the um, translation, usually of what, what translation I'm using. This is the Michael's paraphrase of the Bible. Uh, that's the MPOB. So Michael's paraphrase of the Bible for this, this passage, these verses. Here's, here's how I see what Paul is saying. We pray that you will understand just how good you have it in Christ so that you will live rightly in every circumstance of life. He's praying, Christians, I want you to, to be able to wrap your head around the fact that God is so good. I want you to see his knowledge. I want you to know his wisdom. I want you to know his will and his plans and his hand and his power. I want you to know him so well that you understand just how good you've got it in Christ. So that you can live in a manner that glorifies him in every circumstance of life. The good, the bad, the struggles and the celebrations. I want you to get just how good you've got it in Jesus. And then he tells us exactly how good it is we've got it in Jesus. Without any holding back, without any reservation, he says this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. He, Jesus, has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Actually, He's speaking of the Father. That first, He is the Father. Forgive me, I made a mistake. He, the Father, has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him, Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, Paul says, I want you to understand just how good you've got it so you'll respond by living rightly according to the power of God within you. And here's what he has done for us. He rescued us from the domain of darkness. Now, the, these words, rescued and domain, when we, when we talk about uh, rescue, rescued is a completed action in the original language. It is a perfect action. It is done. It is a uh, it's not happening again. He's already done this for you. It's not you're waiting on it. It's not a someday. It is done. Jesus, or excuse me, the Father through Jesus Christ has rescued us from the domain, the authority of darkness, a symbol for sin and depravity and the brokenness of this life. He has rescued us from the way we used to be, and the darkness that ruled over us. And he has transferred, once again, just like rescued, this is a done deal, it's over with. As soon as you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are rescued and you are transferred. You're moved from, from being ruled over by darkness and evil and sin, and now you are placed under the care of the Son, placed in his kingdom, the kingdom of of the beloved Son, the kingdom of Christ Jesus. As soon as you make that profession of faith, it is a done deal, rescued from darkness, moved into his kingdom. And so all of these things that he's praying for, for, for the church there, he can pray for us, and we can know it's for us as well, that, that we have the, the privilege now that we live in the kingdom of the Son, 
to be able to know God, to know his will, to know his ways, to be filled up with his power, to, to just be in a place where we can joyfully give thanks because we're already rescued. Because we've already been moved and set apart and and transferred over to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We live in the kingdom of the Son. Now it feels like McMurray, but it really is the kingdom of the Son. Feels like Pittsburgh, it feels like Pennsylvania, but it really is the kingdom of the Son. Sounds like it's the United States where we don't shoot down balloons, just in case, right? But, sorry. Anyway... You you get it. It feels like we're living somewhere else. But in in reality, you live in the kingdom of the Son when you have professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so this prayer is for you. These things are for your life. And what can we rejoice in more than anything else? The fact that in Him, in Jesus, we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. Now, what is redemption? It's interesting in the, in the original language, rescued and transferred are absolute. It's already happened for everyone who believes. In him, we have redemption. That's an ongoing thing in the original language. It is that you are continually being redeemed. You are continually being purchased, brought out of, saved from the sins and darkness of this world. Constantly, he is... While you are part of his kingdom, he is constantly trying to pull you back in and make you his more and more on a regular basis. And some of us know the pull of this. We know the the glory of living in the kingdom of the sun. And yet, far too often we like to vacation back in the domain of darkness. And for some of us, it's it's like a timeshare we own and it's a big chunk of time, right? But, but, But the king is so good. Jesus is so good that while we are citizens of the kingdom of the Son, He has rescued us from authority to sin when we wander, when we struggle, when we, when we go on that vacation back into the darkness. The second we're ready, He will pull us back out. He will redeem us. He will purchase us again if need be in order to bring us back to where we should be. And what does this mean? What is redemption ultimately? What is it that He's buying us from? Sin and that darkness. What is redemption? The forgiveness of sins. Now, too often in our day and age, we'll, we'll, we'll hear teachers that might say that, that salvation or the gospel or redemption is about money or it's about power or it's about uh, equality or it's about you know, everybody having enough. And, and while those can all be good results of lives rightly lived, that is not the gospel and that is not the, the thing that Jesus paid to redeem us from it is sin and it's darkness and the way that it will keep us in darkness and its authority if we live in sin and so his desire is to continually pull us out of that darkness continue to day by day ever increasingly redeem more and more of us thank you the, the prayer we prayed earlier about the the little gods that live on the throne of our heart the the, the little kings that we allow in When we do that, when we put somebody else in charge, we fall under their domain again. When we put another issue, another choice in charge over the will of God, we we, we make them the king in the moment. But but he lovingly, when we say, oh no, I don't like this anymore. This rule is wrong. It is oppressive. It is tyrannical. It is destroying me. When we turn back to Jesus, he redeems us. 
He kicks off the little kings and the little gods and he sits back on the throne of our heart and he rules and reigns and forgives us of our sin. He redeems us. So I just, I, it, this could be, should be so exciting for us to realize that, that we are rescued in Christ. We are transferred. Our citizenship has been changed. Those are done deals when we've made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior and, and confessed Him and walk after Him. And yet on a daily basis, on an ongoing basis, He also will be rescuing us from our struggles day by day, our sin issues day by day. Making it possible for this prayer of Paul to come true in the, the lives of, of, of the believers in Colossae and in the, the lives of the believers here. Here's just, just what this whole sermon series ultimately is going to rest on from here on out is that we have been redeemed and placed into a new kingdom, the kingdom of the Son. You are no longer a, a Pennsylvanian. You're no longer a, a Yinzer. You're no longer an American. You're, you're, you're really not even a citizen of the earth. You belong to a different kingdom. You are now a citizen of the kingdom of the Son. He picked you up out of darkness, the Father did, through the work of Christ on the cross, and He placed you in the kingdom of His beloved Son. And He is the one who should have authority and rule and reign in your life. And when you struggle with that, when you walk back into darkness, He will continually redeem you and bring you back. Paul's prayer for the Colossian church, it's really a prayer for us and our church today too. We can look at this and go, he prayed that for them then, but we should be praying this for ourselves now. We should be praying that, that as we rejoice in what God has done and is doing in our midst, that we would also seek to be filled with the knowledge of his will. To, to begin to have right belief in our life. To, to abandon those things that we've been taught that are unbiblical and untrue. And instead, fall back into God's word and to seek to know him as he says he is, not as we want him to be. So the prayer for us should be that we will be filled with the knowledge of his, hill, his will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, realizing that there will be things that are confusing in our spiritual walk, and we have to come back to God and his spirit and his word to give us clarity and understanding. And when he's clear... Don't make it muddy. When he speaks his will, do it. Don't sit back and go, yeah, but is that really your will? Listen to the, God, the word of God and his will. The, the next thing that, that Paul prays for them, and we can make a prayer for ourselves, to walk worthy, pleasing to him, to live rightly. How will we live rightly? What does living rightly look like? It's going to be bearing fruit in our lives. If you in your Christian walk do not see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control growing in your life, you need to revisit whether or not you have genuinely trusted on Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And that is not, that is not a condemnation or a judgment from me. That is just the standard by which Scripture tells us we can know we're saved. We don't know our, we're saved in Scripture because we walked an aisle or prayed a prayer or got wet. We know we're saved because we begin to look more like Jesus, even if it's just a tiny little bit. We begin to, 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 to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control coming out of us because God is changing us from the inside out. So we should be, we want to be bearing fruit. We'll be growing in our knowledge, our experience, our relationship 
of and with Him. We want to be strengthened for adversity. This is probably a big prayer for many of us, isn't it? To realize that the world, that the, the, the system of things out there, it hates Jesus and it hates those who genuinely follow after Him. And there's no two ways about it. It hates Jesus and it hates those who genuinely follow after Him. And we will experience adversity. And instead of going, oh God, why? I, I just... I, Come on, God. This is so hard. Saying, I know it's coming. I know adversity is here. I know it's going to be hard. Would you fill me with your strength so I can endure and have patience? Would you fill me up with the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead? Would you fill me with that so that I might endure and be patient? And then finally, to to practice joyfully giving thanks. We mentioned last week, complaining is really easy, isn't it? Man, complaining is easy. My, my family, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a competitive sport. Uh, that, that we are so good at complaining, we all try to one-up each other, complaining about the things that are going on in the world or in our house or over dinner. And and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's easy to fall into that, isn't it? It's easy to make complaining a competitive sport around the dinner table or as you walk into the house. And and the prayer for us is that walking worthy in a way pleasing to Him is that we would begin to joyfully give thanks in all things. To to be able to say, thank you, Lord, for the dishwasher I get to empty. (laughs) And then refill. And then run. And empty and refill and run and empty and refill. Thank you, Lord, that there's a dishwasher and that we have dishes. And that sometimes there's good food to put on them. Other times it's just food. <laughs> right? That, that, thank you, Lord, that, that, that for what we have. Thank you for the church that I get to go to. I don't like them all the way I should. In fact, I dislike some of them. But thank you for that church. And I'm, I'm not speaking of disliking anyone here. Don't, but but it's, it's okay for you to not feel like, oh, I just love everybody and it's lovey-dovey. No, nah, we can have some issues. We can have some hurts. But we should still be thankful for the church that we've been given and realize what a blessing this is. To be thankful for the families we have, the, the, the loved ones that we've been given, the spouses who leave seats in wrong places or dishes in places you don't like or snore really loudly some nights. And that's, that's all me. I wasn't saying anything about Shelley. Right? To joyfully give thanks for the education we're receiving, for the job that we have, even if we don't prefer it. To really joyfully give thanks in all things. That's what it means to, to walk in a manner worthy. So, so may this be your prayer for our church. Because this is God's prayer revealed through the Apostle Paul and the Colossian church. This is God's prayer for us. That we might be filled with the knowledge of His will believing rightly, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we might walk worthy, pleasing to Him, bearing fruit, growing in our knowledge of Him, being strengthened for adversity, and joyfully giving thanks. The hope today is that you grab a hold of one of these things at least and say, God, let this be me. But really, if you would pray this for yourself and the ones that you love, I bet things would begin to grow and change in a way you would just be a amazed by. And, and I promise to you, I'm going to make this 
my prayer for you in these coming weeks and months and years so that we might all live rightly, or excuse me, believe rightly and live rightly in light of who we are in Christ Jesus. Ultimately, this, the rest of this series, we've been seeing what Paul, how Paul celebrates the Colossian church and, and prays for him. But in, in the next weeks and months, we're really going to be talking about living in the kingdom of the Son in whom we find redemption. What does it mean to li- live in the kingdom of the Son? Next week, we get introduced to the king. Next week, we get told about this king under whose reign we live. And we get reminded just why he is the king and just why he's deserving of our praise and our submission to him in our lives. So, thank you for for spending time in God's word this morning. Thank you for, for joining in and being part of the church family. I want to encourage you to look at these, these, this prayer and to pray it for yourself, to pray it for your family, and to pray it for our church. To ask that God would let us all be filled with the knowledge of His will, with all wisdom and understanding, that we might walk in a manner worthy and pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in all that we do, growing in our knowledge of Him, strengthened for adversity, and we will joyfully give thanks as He answers prayer, provides, and gives the increase. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this prayer. This prayer that the Apostle Paul and Timothy together penned and and whispered for the church in Colossae. We know it's also your prayer for us. And our prayer that we should be growing in knowledge and growing in good works. right Right believing and right living so that you might be glorified and and we might fully experience who we are in you. And so this morning, I commit to praying this prayer for my church family. Give all of us the strength and the dedication to begin to pray this prayer for ourselves and our church family, for our family members, for the ones we know have trusted your son as their savior, that they might live lives that are glorifying to you and empowering for them. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for this beautiful prayer that you prayed for us so long ago through the Apostle Paul. May we remember to pray it and wait to see how you'll answer. All of these things flow from you and your very great and precious promises. And we are so thankful for those. We pray all these things this morning and we we worship you and glorify you. Father God, through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, through his perfect life and sacrifice, knowing that you've approved it all by his resurrection from the dead. It's in his name and his works we pray this morning. Amen. Let's stand together and close with our last song of the morning as we finish out our service and worship to the almighty God. comes for us all 
Oh, how nature acquaints us with the nature of patience, like a seed in the snow. I've been buried to grow for your promises, loyal. From sea to sequoia, and I know, though the winter's long, even richer, the harvest to bring.
from Bethlehem soil grew Calvary Sequoia I'm asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. May you be blessed this week as this prayer comes to pass in all of our lives. God bless. Don't forget hospitality meeting right after service.